Hey everybody, Chase Nobles here, founder of Kush.com. I've got Alex Andraez from Canna ID and Ionization Labs here today. Super excited about the show. How are you, Alex? Doing very well, Chase. Thank you for having me on the show, and uh, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you today. So. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this interview, and I'm glad we got you on the show because you all do something that um, is 100% necessary in this space. It's um, quite regulated. People need to know the potency and the, and the content of their products from a safety and regulation standpoint. And you all have solved a problem with that with Canna ID and your testing software. So before we jump into exactly what you all do, I'd love to know, how did you get into the space? And, and what made this such a, a pain point that you wanted to you know, start a company that solved that problem? Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. And, uh, and really this became, this really started as an obsession. So, um, I, I come from the alcohol space. That's where I spent, you know, 20 years of my career. And, um, I, I made a couple of investments in the cannabis industry, specifically in media. Um, but you know, I, I realized a very wine and cannabis, they follow a very similar, trajectory with the exception of the fact that cannabis is really medicine and wine is has a, a medicinal aspect i mean sorry cannabis has a, the, the medicinal aspect to it and they're both heavily regulated by the states and you know there, there's some regulation at the federal level in, in alcohol but there's really no uh there's not enough or there's really no federal regulation other than it's prohibited at the federal level but we all know where it's all going. It's just a matter of time and that time is fast approaching. And it's even, it's it, every week that I turn on the news, it's moving faster and faster and faster. And we've already passed that event horizon. Um, and now it's just simply a matter of just, you know, people putting together the pieces of the puzzle that enable um, a, a, uh, a domestic uh, uh, high potency cannabis program where product can move around and, sh and, and be traded and sold and logistically moved, um, insured and banked, right? So the minute that the industry has access to banking and finance, then operators have um, a cheaper way of obtaining capital. And, but it's very difficult to do with this product because you know there's still banking issues at the federal level. And so I looked at all, I started to look at all these things and it all comes down to the potency of cannabis, right? It all comes down to, um, you know, successfully detecting and measuring THC Delta nine and THCA. And then those other cannabinoids are, you know, they're just kind of the, um, the victims of circumstance, right? They're the, they're the other, there's a hundred plus cannabinoids, but there's two that stop this plant from becoming federally legal. Um, and that's just they go, yeah, like you said, cannabis is federally legal. We just call it hemp. So right, uh, right. but those two <laughs> right there in concentrations over one percent, plus or minus ten percent, is the difference between a plant that looks and smells the same, but is legal or not at the federal level. But even hemp is distressed today because it doesn't have the protections available that it needs for banking and finance and trade. And so, you know, until that happens, it's still going to be, uh, you know, a risky proposition for people in the hemp industry or in the high potency markets. So the goal would be, 
you know, in my, in, in, in my mind and my business partner's mind is to, you know, harness that and say, okay, that's the hub and everything else is a spoke. And so when you look at people's pitch decks in the cannabis industry, you'll notice that some people are vertically integrated and some people are super cultivators and some people provide technology and some people provide this and that. But really, you know, when it comes down to it, all those points have one thing in common and that's the potency of the plant. So we're like, okay, let's build the information highway specific to that. And it all starts with testing. And then it starts with, then followed by that is track and traceability. And so once you have those, then the pharmaceutical industries get to be able to, you know, they put pressure on the federal government to move even faster towards the legalization aspect. And then you have more consistent product. Now, you know, today, if you go to Colorado and you go to California and you buy the same product by same brand owner saying, you know, if you test them, they will test differently. And, you know, for the consumers that are out there who are never had cannabis, a cannabis product, or they're in the aging population and they're looking for, you know, symptom, uh, something to, to, to help with some symptom like pain or, you know, anxiety or whatever, there's trepidation there because they, you know, they want to know that the product is safe and they want to know that if they try it once, that they can go back to it for consistency. And there's nothing that turns people off from a, a product that they consume or use than inconsistency, right? And so what we're offering to the industry is really a solution that improves outcomes, improves consistency, improves formulation, collapses time and reduces costs and obviously opens the door to small to medium-sized businesses to get in. And I think this is so, a, so you didn't you didn't you didn't accidentally make a really powerful batch of brownies and then decide there needs to be a better way to solve this because that's that's <laughs> that's what I was expecting in Alex. <laughs> no, 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 I, I did not. I in fact the way that I the way that this was conceived in my mind was I would go out and buy wine barrels and I would go and try every barrel and I would try to make a blend of wine and I would take samples and I would send them to three labs and I'd get three different results. And so I was like, that's a problem, you know, and, and it became a problem for me. And then in the cannabis industry, you know, the first time I realized it was a problem was when, you know, we were experimenting with the concept of the business, but we actually asked for three samples of products so that we could test them. You know, one high THC, low CBD, one high CBD, low, you know, basically three different three different you know bags from a dispensary and we asked them to be blind and when they came to us you know we tried we tested two of them out and you know the cannabinoid profile was different but the terpene profile of of two of those bags was actually dead on and that's impossible so the brand names were different but the terpene profile was like dead on and that basically tells us that somebody took product and change the name of it so that it would sell because they, they wouldn't sell it as this product, but when you put Blue Dream on it or Sour Diesel on it, it moves like that. And the reality is, is we figured out at that point in time that strain names really don't mean a whole lot. What no, and that's it. I love that you bring this up, Alex, because so many people put so much weight behind the strain name, but the strain name in many cases is created based on hyper trend. And yes, there are your consistent, you know, strain names that people have exclusively and things like that. But if you have, you know, 50 pounds of a strain, it's called a strain that 
that isn't selling, what is the easiest way to sell that product? Right. And that you, you see a lot of that, a surprising amount of that. So I'm, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because not that many people know that about the, the cannabis and hemp industry. Yeah. And that's because nobody's watching and nobody's paying attention, you know, and the, and the easiest way to attach a strain name and, and create meaning for it is to build what's called a scatter diagram. And that's basically taking all of the chemical data. So you measure, you know, a hundred samples of different sour diesel and you build a pattern along a line and then anything too far out is not really sour diesel and anything close in is, you know, part of the sour diesel family. And then you can name it sour diesel and then people have more confidence in that. But that, that that's all based around chemical data, right? And so what our goal is, is to provide that to people so that they're confident in buying product because they're either going to sell it as that, or they're going to take that product and then they're going to extract it down to create consistent oil or consistent, you know, for a tincture or for a cream or whatever. So now being an expert in wine and having spent a lot of time in that industry, making these blends and, um, you know, kind of going art and science on that, on that industry, what are the similarities in the testing? What kind of testing are you doing? And how did that apply to the hemp and cannabis industry as you're working on now with, with CanID? Well, so, you know, it, usually when you're making a product um, out there, right? And you're, and, you know, depending on whether you're taking um, isolated compounds and you're buying them from chemical companies that have been around historically that provide, you know, compounds for the pharmaceutical industry, um, you know, you're, you're, you're blending things that are pure into something and you can produce consistency that way. Right. Um, but in this case, what you're doing is you're taking plant matter that's ever changing. So cannabis will change. You can have the same feedstock, same genetics, different wavelength of light, and the plant will be completely different, right? It'll have higher concentrations of CB, you know, CBD, CBDA, you know, THCV, all these other compounds. Uh, in, in, first and foremost, in greater uh, in greater numbers would be CBD and uh, THC and their acid. And if you harvest it too early, you'll get a batch of CBG flour. Yeah, CBD, it all starts off with CBGA, CB, then it goes CBG, and then, and then from that point on. And, you know, so the goal really, because it's because uh, cannabis is so ever-changing and it changes, the change in cannabis is so substantially greater than most other plants, including grapes, that if you change the wavelength of the light, the barometric pressure, the climate, the nutrients, the water, any of those variables, the plants will change drastically, right? Especially wavelength of light. And that's why there's a lot of problems in the hemp industry because it's all outdoors. So there's a lot more variables there. It's like, it's not a contained environment where you're gonna have reproducibility hour to hour, minute to minute, you know, and air quality that you can measure and all these things you can measure, right? But um, the similarity is that, you know, you have something that's changing all the time and wine changes all the time in barrels. And sometimes it's not for the better. So in, in wine, sometimes if your SO2 levels are too high or volatile acidity is too high, you then have to remediate. Just like in the hemp industry, if your THC levels are too high, you either have to destroy the crop or you have to remediate. It's expensive to remediate. So, and the only way to prevent that from happening and the only, and the, and the one way to guarantee your outcome in the hemp industry or 
medical recreational cannabis industry is to have chemical data at your fingertips so you can optimize and then harvest at the peaks of the specific target compounds that you're going for. And some of those compounds are extremely valuable, like TA. You know, all of these new that they're discovering right now that they think have relevancy for specific, you know, medical ailments that, you know, that they're, you know, that they're looking for, you know, for the next, uh, the next thing. I mean, CBD, the prices of CBD went down. But that doesn't mean the other compounds went down, right? Some of those right. other compounds just continue to pain or actually have gone up because they're so scarce. Now, understanding the problem. And from the risk of, you know, having a consistent product, safety regulations, things like that. So you're a farmer. What does Canna uh, ID, what is the actual solution here? Say, say, they, say they're hearing everything that you're saying and they go, okay, I do want in-house testing. I do want to have this data at my fingertips. They call y'all up, shoot you an email, whatever. What's the actual solution that they get whenever they, they reach out to you all? So we have, uh, we, our solution is, it comes in two forms. One is just the software by itself. And those are for people who already have the instrumentation and the knowledge and they can, you know, they've done this before. And then the other one is a, a CAN solution, which includes hardware, software, um, and consumables that are sent every month, like a data plan, like a cell phone data plan. And that's a, that's a one-stop shop, right? And you know, in one, in one area, we provide you with the data and the pipeline so you can manage all that data and so you can kind of run, you know, run all your processes yourself. And then on the other side, on the other side, we basically deliver everything to you and make sure that based on, you know, your volume of tests, you can increase or decrease how many tests you do every month, depending on seasons and what have you. But, um, you know, Really what we offer is we offer the ability to collapse time on R&D testing. People have more confidence when they use CanID because we have reproducibility on a decentralized network. So we've got clients in 18 states and four countries. Um, you know, we've got government entities that are extremely interested in using this as nationwide testing in, you know, different parts of the world right now. And they're actively looking at it, in, you know, including domestically. And so what we offer is we offer a standardized solution that gives not just you as the farmer or you as the extractor confidence in what you're doing at every step, every interval, every day, but it also gives your business partners, the people who are the buyers of your product, assurances that you are doing everything you can do to maintain consistency and quality of your product. And so what it also does is it gives two people who actually use technologies, the concept of shared language. So labs have different methods, different sample preparation processes. And if you call that lab and you ask them for calibration data or chromatography data, most of them won't supply that to you, right? We make it transparent. We want people to know how often they've performed calibration because we wanna make sure that they are in that calibration window to where they can run successfully all the time and so our software simplifies all of these processes for you. So you don't have to be an analytical chemist. You just have to be a smart person. That's it. And now when it comes, when it comes to the hardware, Alex, what, what type of hardware are we talking? Gas, liquid, chromatography? Uh, what are they actually getting in the box? Uh, it's, it's, it's an HPLC manufactured by Agilent Technologies. So it's a tried and true. We tried every single HPLC out there in the market. 
We looked at them from a function of cost, reproducibility, um, you know, just how long they've been in the industry. And we basically benchmark tested them against each other. We benchmark tested them against mass spec. And, you know, really what we found is that Agilent has probably the most robust piece of hardware for the price. And so Agilent HPLC with an auto sampler is what we deliver. So, and do you need a PhD to operate this machine? No, you don't. I can, I don't have a PhD. I have a bachelor's in economics. I, I, the requirement was I need to be able to, to use this. So from the day that we deliver the, the day that you place an order and you subscribe within 30 to 45 days, you know, we ship the systems to you that have been benchmark tested. Um, and then from the day that you receive it, the next day we walk you through installation over Zoom or video conference call. And then by the end of the next day, you're testing. And it, you know, you're, you're, you, and we watch you perform these tests and you have access to our chemists here in Austin, Texas, who will walk you through problems, help you solve problems. Or if you have in the future, if you have new products and you want to develop a sample preparation process for a new product, you know, you call us up and we will walk you through because chances are, you know, we've seen this before and we can help you faster than you can just do this yourself. So now how frequently do you have to calibrate this machine to maintain the accuracy of the results that you're getting? Simple cal checks once a week, uh, full on calibration once a month. Got it. Okay. And that's not too involved then? No, it's basically just running a five point calibration curve. So it's basically you know, uh, running through our simplified sample preparation process and then, um, and, you know, performing an injection into a system, letting it uh, baseline and read. And then from that point in time, it says system check, go. And then you're testing, keep going. All right, final question on the hardware. What all can you test for? Specifically cannabinoids? Can you test for terpenes? Can you test for any kind of pesticides? What, what are you going to get? I know that it probably can't do everything because this is an at location machine. Yeah, there's no, what can you get? There's no machine that will do it all. We, we worked, when we started this company, we sat down with, you know, the top scientists, uh, head of mass spec over at MIT, Harvard and Texas tech and all these universities. Um, there's no one machine that'll do all of this. So we, we went after the hardest one. We went after cannabinoids. We have the top 14 cannabinoids we're adding three or four more here fairly shortly to the library that is future-proofed uh, for our clients. Um, but what we're also adding is, you know, for in, in short order, we're adding terpene. It'll be a different hardware, piece of hardware. Um, and we've already started work on integration of uh, mass spec for pesticide, residual pesticide, pesticide detection. So, you know, we're going after, we're, we're either partnering with or developing the chemical data pipeline to essentially hook into other instruments so that all of your chemical data can be managed from one centralized location and shared internally. So we do not own your data. Our clients own their data. We don't share our clients' data with anybody. They have to share it, but they can make it available to share inside their organization or to an outside entity if they so choose. Right on. That sounds amazing. Now you've had great success in this space. You're a leader in this space when it comes to testing, but you're looking at another space right now, psilocybin. Yes. This is a frontier industry, just like hemp and cannabis has been. 
what drew you there and how, how are you looking to enter the market that's incredibly nascent? Yeah, incredibly difficult to enter into, but somebody has to do it. And uh, the reason why we're getting into this industry is because, you know, most people inside this organization, everybody pretty much, um, including myself, are big believers that the biggest problem in the world today is depression, um, you know, and uh, PTSD. There's a lot of people who have been out, you know, they've experienced something traumatic in their life, whether it's, you know, going into combat, so veterans or experiencing you know, abuse or something, right? You know, there's all these bad things going on in the world. And we all went through a whole year of being locked down and ambiguity and just craziness with this pandemic that, you know, what surfaced was, hey, you know, the world needs some help on mental health. And psilocybin, in our belief, is the leader of all of the psychedelics, of all of the, medic, you know, potential emerging therapies that are out there it's probably the one that has the most, um, it's probably the safest uh, in, in terms of microdose format that has the greatest results. Um, there are others, MDMA certainly, and also, you know, ketamine is also interesting, but ketamine is also manufactured by ketamine, you know, manufacturers who are pharmaceutical grade who supply it for other use in the pharmaceutical industry. So, you know, there's not really a need for, from our perspective, for purity on ketamine because it comes from a, comes from doctors, and so um, comes from pharmaceutical companies to doctors, and then it's administered administered in that format. But psilocybin, there's just not enough data because it's been Schedule One, and Schedule One is on the same level as you know methamphetamine, and we know that it has medicinal use just like cannabis does. Um, and, and our mind is like it doesn't matter to us that it is schedule one, what matters is, hey, if maybe if we develop the testing pipeline, that, that the restrictions will ease sooner and faster so people can actually perform clinical trials so people can get better faster. And so if we can just create an environment where people can you know, perform R&D faster, then we've served our purpose. And right on. That's, a, that's amazing to hear. It's exciting to hear somebody getting into that space um, from this angle because uh, you're right, that legitimacy and that trust in the product is going to be really important. Yeah. So Alex, everybody should check you out. CanID, Ionization Labs. You've got a lot going on. A beautiful story. Great company. Excited to be working with you. Can't wait to see you at the Texas M Convention this year. And uh, great interview. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's likewise. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And can't wait to share a glass of wine or something with you in, in, in the next, you know, as soon as possible. So right on Alex, we'll be safe and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks again. Take care.